Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. That was absolutely terrific. Ah, how I love your style of playing. And uh, songs that obviously do not take gravity because <laughs> you're defying gravity by being lifted up in Christ. Okay, so the Bible tells us and hello out there, everybody, yes. <laughs> the Bible tells us we are called to knock upon the door. We're called to ask and then receive. We're called to seek and find. There's an action that is expected of the people. And these actions are what is going to help you get a reciprocation. Because the Bible says if you want something, you've got to knock. If you want this word, you've got to ask. If, if you want to understand it, if you want the truth, you've got to seek it. Therefore, what God is saying, go forth exploring the word, mining it, trenching and digging in it, and proofing the dig by establishing its contextuality. And the Bible says that. First Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. And further in the Bible we read, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So God wants you to explore the word, to mine it, to trench and dig and Prove that dig by establishing its contextuality. So what is being said is stop prying up the carnivorous. Stop, stop, um, stop trying to bring forth these uh, these slim, uh, non-relevant concepts that just want to stuff, uh, you know, uh, living in reality with dead, dead parts. So the point that is so important is that God is delirious us from that cadaverous, cadaverous mentality. He's delivering us from the death that the Bible says that the law without the spirit, the law and the word without the spirit is dead. So these uh, cadaverous mentalities will bring you into dead parts and those dead parts will suck the life of the word and the spirit out of the things that God is trying to reveal to you. God does not want you to be remiss either, but he wants you to go forth determined, exacting exhaustively the Bible's context on the subject that the Spirit is leading you into. Of course, you have to seek the Holy Spirit for verifying and, and make sure that you're not dealing with a biased, dry, formal, a denominational doctrine uh, that that uh, is 
not giving you the spirit. You know, God wants you to seek out a teacher that is aware of the extra dimensions of the Bible and the extra dimensions of knowledge and that will bring you into the many different reality levels of time and space, show you the 30-fold, show you the 60-fold, show you the 100-fold, that by the word that was heretofore hidden, you will be brought into an enlightenment that is applicable by proof of that, of that truth. Wow. There are vast numbers of people today who are bored with the repetitive, gaunt, scrawny teachings that are barren of spirit and barren of the fullness of God. God wants you to bring you into that Holy Ghost wind that filled all the house that they were sitting in. Acts 2.2. 2. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelations 4.6 about these four creatures with six wings. The six wings represent the cherub, the cherubimic guardianship. In this particular instance of these four beasts which are describing the beast of of the world the 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 living four living kinds of of humankind but within that guardianship there is a ministry being brought forth in all of those different nations and the seraphimic uh, guardianship which is an angelic guardianship is teaching to those people of which the bible later shows us an episode in which those those people that are the beasts they fall down before god and they repent and it it depicts them with having eyes all over themselves or their selves on the front on the back and within now that's that's the real ministry of God wanting to reveal the hidden things. That, that's the real ministry of, of God wanting to, to show you the whole truth and take you beyond the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Now, there are some things that, that people have taught and that people say that has a small amount of truth to it but that generally is misleading. They misquote this thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I was determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so there are people out there saying, Look, you don't need to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all you need to know. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what the Bible is saying here. And that is so sad that people are teaching that. If you only teach Jesus Christ and him up to the point of him crucified, you don't even have the resurrection. 
Now there is a point in the 30-fold revelation that people need to know that Jesus died for their sins. But then there's a point in the scripture where it says, okay, now laying aside those teachings, let us go on to perfection. Because in this same chapter of Corinthians 1, chapter 2, Paul goes on to say, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration uh, of the Spirit and of the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, at that point, a lot of people take off and said, you see, you don't need any more than this. But that's not, what it's, that's not the whole story. They're depriving people of the whole story. There's a time that the Spirit will lead you in a 30-fold ministry when you are dealing with particular people that cannot handle anything beyond that. But that doesn't mean that that's the end of the story. That doesn't mean that's the end of the revelation. That doesn't mean that that's the street. That it's the path and the only street and the only path. Because now he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 6, How be it? Now here's the modification. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God foreordained before the world unto our glory. Now he's revealing there is a glory that belongs to you and I and to all the people who fit into this category. Now you're getting out of the 30-fold, you're moving up to the 60 and 100-fold. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and, and that, that word there means those that have, are matured, those, those that have, are consecrated. Yet, not the wisdom of this world. So, there are times when you will, you, you will be speaking to them and you have to, you have to put a lot of the, uh, of, of the world uh, into the message. That's why Jesus, when he uh, ministered, never ministered without a parable because he would use parables of natural events, natural things that people could relate to in the worldly sense or in just in the world sense. And, and then they could better understand uh, the message because they could only handle the 30-fold. But for the disciples, they would come and they would say, they would knock on the door. They would seek. they say, I know there's got to be more than this, Jesus. What is the meaning of those parables? And Jesus said, well, it's not, it's not for them to know. They're not ready for it. They're, they're babes. They're on the milk. I'm paraphrasing here. But for you, he says, you are ready to know and, you're, and you need to know. And so Paul says in verse 7, we speak the mystery of God and we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Do you realize that you could be missing out on the glory of God that was ordained for you to have? If you are so sheltered in the 30-fold revelation that you never get beyond Jesus Christ and him crucified. And there's nothing wrong with that story. It's a beautiful story. But if you want to go beyond it, if you really want to know about Jesus Christ, you can't know it all just Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because there's a whole lot more to the story.
Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew. Even the princes of this world didn't know it, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For as it is written, eye has not seen, eye hath not seen, ear has not heard, neither I have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now see, people get into that cadaverous mentality. They put a, they, they put a, a period before they should. They put a mark of, of, of death to spiritual things. You don't need to know this. All you need to know is just this simple little thing here. And so they, they kill the spirit. Create cadavers everywhere. But in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Now, people say, you, the Bible says, the eye has not seen nor the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. And we're not, this is what they'll say, we're not going to know these things until the by and by. But in verse 10, the, Paul goes on, he says, But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So when we talk about the deep things of God, ladies and gentlemen, it's Bible. It is absolutely Bible. For what knoweth the, the things of a man, save the spirit of, of man uh, which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Wow. Verse 12. Now we have, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us from God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That is so absolutely beautiful. And I, I feel like because I'm getting I'm going to be getting into such deep teachings that I have to make you really have a clarity of understanding. You have to have a clarity of understanding of what of what this word really is. And please never, never forget the closing verse in the Gospel of John. Chapter 21, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think that these four Gospels and these letters of the Apostles fulfill the whole story about Jesus Christ, then you have been tricked by your own deceit or by the deceit that someone else has taught you. Because if all the things were written, the volume is so vast, it's so great, that, that the world mentally could not contain it. And the books, the books that should, S-H-O-U-L-D, should be written. And so then God raises up manifester, 
Manifestor isn't just the name of me. Manifestor is all those people who are going to be manifested, which it means to bring to light the hidden things hidden from the foundations of the world that belong to our glory. All the people that really get into that, they become manifestors too. Wow. That is so beautiful. Well, how far does this thing go back on about Jesus? Well, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is to be ruler, or who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from the old, from everlasting. You want to know this person is going to be born in Bethlehem. You want to know about this Jesus the Christ, the Lamb of God, who's going to be born in Bethlehem. Well, then you're going to, you're going to be taken back into time. You're going to go beyond this universe. You're going to go to the very premises, to the very fringe of the always. Because it says, he's, he that is to come forth in me, that is to be ruler. His goings forth have been from the of old, from everlasting. Wow. Revelations 19.12 talks about Christ riding the white horse and that on his head are many crowns. Now, that would be a very involved message. One day I, I will minister it. But these crowns, they, they, they represent more than one thing. There's a 30, 60, 100 fold on that. And you could take those crowns back to every universe that preceded this universe. And the ages that preceded the universes. And what kind of a, of a score did these divine persons, did the, the Savior get? Well, he, he's got lots of crowns. His crown just isn't going to be from what he has done here on this earth. He's got lots of crowns. And those crowns are all tied in to all those other worlds. Because he's from old. He's from everlasting. That little babe that's to be born in a manger. That little babe that's to, 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 to go to the cross and to resurrect. And when you really get to know about Jesus, you, you go back in time. You go back into the old and ancient times. You go back to everlasting. And that's the word of God. In Revelations 13, 8, it says, The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You don't find the truth about the crucifixion just on the closer to more modern times of the cross. The real story goes back before the foundations. And ladies and gentlemen, that's just plain absolutely Bible. Because when you start really getting into 
Christ Jesus, you're going to get into that which was, the Alpha Ages, that which is, the Satan universe, and that which is to come. That which was, that which is, and that which was to come. I need to tell you those things. Because as we, we get into this trip to the stars, through the, through the uh, energy dot, you need to know this. We're, we're opening up a, a capsule here so that this picture puzzle can be put into beautiful word and you can see the truth and that truth will set you free. Blessed be the name of God. It is so gorgeous. It is so beautiful, this word of God. We talked last week, and I want to just cover a couple of fast little things on that. In Ezekiel 8.3, it tells the story how that Ezekiel was in a gr group of elders in the house, and all of a sudden he had an experience. And this glory of an angelic entity came upon him and took a lock of his hair, and he began to be lifted up. Now, if he's in a house, you wonder how, how did he get outside? Did he go through the ceiling by the lock of his hair? Well, as we begin to look into the word, mining it, digging it, opening it up, Ezekiel 8, 3, with this reference in Strong's Concordance Hebrew Dictionary, 67.37. We find the most incredible, awesome thing. We find this word that in Hebrew means fringe. Sezith. We have transliterated it Z-Z-I-T-H or Z-Z-I-T-H. Taking it from the S-S-I-T-H that you get out of the word T-S-I-Y T-S-I-T-H. Some of those other words are silent in their in there as far as their pronunciation is concerned. And we show that, that the meaning of this word, you know, this forelock of hair, is like a fringe lock and like a projection of a, of like of a wing. And isn't it interesting that when you get into the book of Ezekiel, it begins with a revelation of this mighty rushing wind and it begins of this revelation of these of these wheels in the middle of a wheel and 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 of these these uh cherubims uh that are taken up and they all go like in one spirit together 
And this whole thing in the book of Revelations, especially, or pardon me, Ezekiel, especially chapter 1 and chapter 10, are very clearly opened for people to see of a divine spacecraft that is being, that is being described. And so isn't it interesting then when you connect that to this lock of hair that actually means going into this fringe of dimension, fringe of space, that that revelation coincides with, the, with the, also the revelation of what people are seeing all over the world today that they call UFOs and flying saucers. Now, we're not saying that, that, that there are not some of those that are actually advanced spacecraft from the USA. But for a long time, way, way back, these advanced spacecraft, before the USA was even able to perform that way, or anything close to it, they were being seen by humankind. And so we have to get this message down. We showed how that in that, you know, 6734 uh, uh, also is from 6731. This is the Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, and, and which was from 6692. And 6692, if you take the spelling of that word, T-S-U-W-T-S, and you get Zoots, Z-O-O-T-S. Now, Last week, we didn't quite finish that. In the manifest, we use a phonetic spelling. So we do not spell it uh, Z-O-O-T. We did that for a little while just to sort of show the, the consignment uh, in, in the transliteration. But we use a phonetic spelling. And the phonetic spelling is Z or Z-U-U-T especially because we want to get away from, the, from one, some of the meanings of Z-O-O-T, like zoot, suit, and some of those different things that it means uh, on a totally different basis from the root of the Hebrew. So we spell it Z-U-U-T, or Z-U-U-T. Just wanted to get that out of the way so you would be updated on that. Now there's a scripture in First Peter one twelve, and uh, I, I feel like I've got to share this with you because um, this will help you understand why we are going to be taking this trip and we are going to be going back in time the way that we are because there's a, a, a scripture uh, about angels and if you look at it in First Peter Chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, and I think I got the right one here. 1 Peter 1, 12. Um, verse um, 12 says, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported to you by them who have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Now get, get a hold of this next thing. 
which things the angels desire to look into. Verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we have to understand here what this subject is about. Otherwise, there's no way we can get a hint of what this story is. But if you read the verses that precede verse 12, especially, let's say, verse 10 of chapter 1, 1 Peter, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and preached diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. And then in verse 12 it says, which things the angels desire to look into. Now the question would be, why would the angels desire to look into this thing about grace? Surely, in all the ages of time, in all the different universes that have existed, and the Alpha Ages, they would have had time to have learned all this thing. Well, you know in the Bible, the first time that the word grace is mentioned is in the book of Genesis. And it talks about that God gave grace to Noah. Now, this connection of Noah is so important because Enoch, who was the seventh from Adam, who the Bible in the book of Luke says is the son of God, And Noah was the son of Lamech. And Lamech was the son of Methuselah. And Methuselah was the son of Enoch. So Noah was the grandson of Methuselah. Because Lamech was the son of Methuselah and the father of Noah. Therefore, that made Moses, that made, I might be saying Moses, I'm meaning to say Noah if I did. That made Noah to be the son or the grandson. He was the son of Lamech, but the grandson of Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch. And there was something about the birth of Methuselah that it wasn't until the birth of Methuselah, according to the Bible, that Enoch began to come into a real spirituality. And this went on for hundreds of years, this spirituality, until finally Enoch was taken and he was no more on the earth at, at that, during that time of his life. So the very idea of this thing about the saving of people was connected with the Enoch's, of who it tells us in the book of Job, 
or the book of, uh, of um, it mentions something in the book of Job, but not in the same way you would understand its connection to Enoch. But in the book of Jude, it tells us about uh, Enoch coming with ten thousands of saints. Now I want you to get this. Here's the first time it mentions grace. Because here's what the manifest teaches. The manifest teaches if you go all the way back into all of the universes, if you go all the way back into the in, into the uh, Alpha Ages, that grace, the kind of grace that was given by Jesus Christ, had never before existed. What had existed was mercy. And so there were times of mercy that was given to different people at different times. But not grace, because grace was something, something incredible that was given and that was created in the mind of, of, of Yahweh, or Yahweh, however you like to say it. Which when you, when you see that, in Genesis, and meaning, speaking of the grace that was given by the Lord, it's spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which means Yahweh or Yahweh, which is the, our Father which art in heaven, who Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, the first presence of Jesus Christ is the Father which art in heaven. Now, I, I hope that you're following me and I can connect this. So, the revelation of this first grace ever mentioned in the Bible is connected to the Lord. And all the things that Jesus did, the Bible says, I did what my Father told me to do. I, did, I, I didn't do my will, I did the will of my Father which art in heaven. So, this will of the Father that was expressed in Jesus Christ brought out for the first time in any of the universes that had ever happened. For the first time in this universe brought forth this incredulous ministry called grace. And grace was more than just mercy because Mercy didn't have in it a provision for someone else to take on your sins, your errors, your transgressions to the point that those errors and sins and transgressions cease to exist as though they had never ever happened. And this whole concept was so incredulous that the cherubims, the seraphims, and other groups of angels desired to look into it. They had never heard anything like this before. There had never been anything created like this before. Not in all the universes that had ever been. There had been mercy. There had been great heroic acts. But never had there been anything like this in all the annals of the histories of the energy dots. Grace 
was a miracle of love. And the angels desired to look into it. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, I just feel the energy of the Holy Spirit just coming all over me as I'm speaking about this grace. Such a profound witness of this word and, and this beautiful truth. How powerful that this, this word of, of the Lord our God is. How incredulous it is that even the angels from universes past desire to look into it because it is a new creation and a new dawning. So when we begin to take on the nature of Jesus Christ, when we begin to follow Jesus and become so tuned in to him that the Bible says in John, and you will be one with me and I will be one with you. It's a trans-assimilation. It's a beautiful thing. But it's all became possible because of grace. Blessed be the name of the living God. I praise God and I thank God for his grace. I love the Lord because of his love. I thank the Lord because of his precious, precious love. The Bible says, I love him. I love him. I know that's a song, but it says that in the Bible. Because he first loved me. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Janet Lee.
Thank you, Janet Lee. And here we go again. There's another place I want to just sort of reiterate. I mentioned it last week, but I, I just want to, you know, finish a few little uh, dots and cross a few T's here. Uh, and that is the part uh, in which we discuss the principality, like in Ephesians 6.12, you know, that, that we war not with the flesh, but we war with principalities. And, and, and uh, what are these principalities? Well, they're also called in the Bible a prince, which comes from the word principality. And, um, and in uh, the, uh, the Greek uh, concordance uh, dictionary, uh, number 743, uh, which is from number 757, uh, it describes uh, principality uh, as a chief angel, an archangel. And you have to connect all of these together uh, because uh, the word principality uh, is embedded in this concept of, of uh, the Greek uh, uh, that found in um, 746, uh, which then uh, has a, a connection uh, with, uh, with uh, a 757 uh, and 758 and uh, uh, is also connected then to, uh, to uh, as we say, uh, other, uh, other types of meanings uh, like that we could find in uh, 743, which comes from 757. So remember, the principality, the Greek 746 uh, equals 756, or is from 756, e equals 757. 743 which describes chief angels and archangels, is from the root of 757, which is connected uh, root-wise to the word principalities in the Greek. And so then that connects us to, to uh, these other uh, ideas of the word prince, because uh, 756, which comes from 757 and from 758, mentions chief ruler or prince. So then when we read about Gabriel being the great prince in Daniel 8, 16, 9, 21, Luke 1, 19 through 26, uh, we see the connection then that, that, that the, the uh, Gabriel, who in Daniel is called a great prince, then when it's, he's mentioned uh, in other places, uh, maybe without that immediate title is still talking about the same Gabriel, and so the 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 same designations apply, and therefore, uh, as a as a great prince, he is a chief ruler. As a chief ruler, uh, he is a chief angel. As a chief angel, he is an archangel, and so it makes him equal to Michael, the the archangel, and Jude uh, 9, uh, in as much as the title is concerned of archangel. And so that is very, very important because we see there are designations like in Revelations 12, say, uh, 7. Revelations 12, 7 says, and Michael and his angels fought against you know, Lucifer and the dragon and his angels. And so that, that these titles are very, very, very important uh, to not lose and the, the root connections that tie them all together so that we can understand uh, exactly how important it is 
to 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 know this because even when referring to uh, Jesus Christ later it talks about in Thessalonians him coming with the voice and the shout of an archangel so those things are very important for the people get that down you know and it's like I said in the beginning you got to dig you 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 got to you know uh, open up uh, uh, these things so that you uh, study them in a way that God will reveal them to you all right now then uh, just mentioning again uh, from last week uh, the lord of hosts we mentioned in isaiah 60 uh, we mentioned in isaiah 63 where it talks about holy 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 the lord of hosts and we're showing that these lord of hosts uh, uh, do have a particular reference we showed you that last week luke 2:13 a multitude of heavenly hosts and and uh, so we see but this multitude of heavenly hosts as they were celebrating the the, the birth of christ uh, uh, that that this all connects you know to to uh in that particular scripture it goes back to uh, to Gabriel giving the revelation to Mary and and uh and uh, uh, we find that uh, in uh, that that revelation uh you know that he is a prince and he is an archangel when you put all these uh, connecting uh, sentences together. So so it was an archangel that came to Mary. Uh, it was an archangel that, that, that fought against the forces of, of Lucifer. Uh, and there is a very important of under, understanding that. And and when we when we then begin to understand all these different divisions of the angels and understand how you know of the ancientness of Christ because you know uh, 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 Yahweh uh, arose from the first universe, uh, the very first universe. But before that, uh, the the manifest teaches that his his uh, spirit. Uh, was created way back in the Alpha Ages, but held in suspension until the time would be ripe for him to come forth. So he he actually goes back uh, to the very first of time when when God decided to go outside of himself and to go out and create in in uh, you know a physical space uh, creatures that could. Um, uh, make determination and decide of their own free will uh, to serve God or not serve God, and uh, so this thing, uh, revelation of the of the of the heavenly host. We know there's other kind of hosts. There's the host of Israel. There's the host of stars. Uh, some of these are just symbolic meanings, but beyond a question of a shadow of doubt, in Luke. We have it clear, a multitude of heavenly hosts, so that there we clearly have the, the description of the angels. And and uh, that is what must not be missed, because as we get further into this story, uh, it becomes an absolutely incredible, awesome, beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, there is um, there, there's something else that we want to cover here that... Uh, he is uh is quite quite a thing and and uh uh in uh, um, in jude one eight and fourteen and second peter two and ten that's um jude one and eight and verse fourteen and second peter two and ten it speaks about the dignitaries and we've talked about them and we've We've taken it so far 
as to the description of these dignitaries are are uh, are some of the angels uh, that fell, but then have overcome. But we haven't taken it into its exalted uh, state, which we uh, now want to take it. Uh, what we want to show here is that for some of these persons that that uh, that were also part of the fall. Um, which, uh, you know, even included Dominius and others, that there is a process that is happening here that is another new thing, uh, uh, never before uh, happened the same way in any of the universes or even in the Alpha Ages. And that is uh, that the, the, the Father, uh, you know, has imbued in the mind of, of Christ uh, a, a concept, you know. And the, the scripture says, a body hast thou given me. And, and we, we know that Jesus could have taken on the body of an angel uh, and just appeared to people in this body of the angel, or he could have taken on a human body uh, and, and uh, uh, just, you know, with that human body, uh, you know, been subjected to all the things that all human beings are uh, because it truly is a body that is living in the subduction zone. Now, here is the awesome, awesome beauty of this thing with the dignitaries. Uh, it's, it is a revelation about exalted human bodies, and they are called dignitaries. And what is an exalted human body? Well, let's pause a, a moment and let's go back to the story of Job. And the, the Bible says that the sons of God came together before, before God and also appeared, uh, you know, uh, Lucifer, Satan. And, and God said, what, what are you doing here? What, what, what have you been up to? Oh, he says, I've been, you know, going, going and coming and, and, go, and up and down and, and, uh, and uh, now I'm here to see what, what's going on. He says, well, have you observed uh, Job? You know, what an incredible uh, person he is and what a saint and how he has been able to uh, overcome uh, all these traps of the subduction zone and so forth. I'm paraphrasing it. And, and uh, Lucifer Satan said, well, the only reason that is has happened is because you have built a fire around about him a wall of fire so so you know he can't be hardly tempted he he can't you know uh, make any mistakes because you've got him so protected and so god speaks to lucifer he says oh he says well that's what you think he says well he says that's what i know he says uh, just take away that wall of fire and uh, I'll show you how fast that he'll turn against you. So um, God says, okay, uh, you can't kill him, but I'm going to give you your chance to, to uh, engage yourself uh, with what you say is your capability uh, to find his weakness. So Lucifer puts on, takes, kills his family, uh, takes away all his wealth, because, you know, there are so many people in the world that if they lose their financial base, they don't even want to live anymore. Uh, 
And there are also people in the world that if the wife turns against the man or the, wife, the, the, the man against the wife, that that's just like a shattered life and a lot of times people don't want to live anymore and a lot of times people will just go wacky. And, uh, and then to be uh, afflicted with, with these terrible sores just all over his body. Uh, some people, when they get that sick, they lose their, their conscientiousness. They lose their righteousness. Uh, they just begin to blame God for doing these things. Well, with Job, he really did quite well. Uh, he, he withstood almost all these terrible things. But there was an area that he did fail in. And and uh, it wasn't real, really incredibly significant, but nevertheless, it was a failing. Uh, but nothing along the lines of what uh, Lucifer Satan had proposed. But but he, he there was a, a failing there. And um, then, however, Job said something. He said, Yea, though the flesh worms eat this body, yet... In my flesh, I will see God. And he said something there that was an implantation. That was the beginning of the rise of the dignitaries, of the rise of exalted, an exalted human body, a, a, a super consciousness, a super conscientiousness that, was, that would enable a person to live in a human body and yet be totally not subjected to being distracted or succumbed by sin. And so part of what the Father in Heaven created here was to turn the fall of, of, of some of the humans instead of being a fall downward, to in the ultimate resolution of it, make it to become a fall upward. And in this fall upward, become dignitaries. And dignitaries being <clears throat> a new kind of, of, of creation, a people that when the resolution of the dignitary operation was in its full context to be able to take on a human body or a physical body that would totally not be subjected to sin such as Paul described. Paul said, when I would want to do the right thing and I don't want to capitulate to sin, yet he says there is this, this other force in nature and he says, it takes over and causes me to do things that I would not do. He said, it's a law that has been put into my genetics. It's been put into my, the, the molecular stream, uh, stream and blood of my body. Well, that was part of Satan's work. That's one of the reasons that Lucifer Satan was so uh, cocky sure of himself. Because he had planted this genetic downfall into all the cellular and, and, and genetic aspects of creation.
Wow. And now there was this plan by the Father. And some will say, well, you know, what good will that do once this universe ends? Well, that information of that exalted body, of that dignitary body, is going to go into an energy dot. And when the next creation begins, after this universe has been closed and, and, and in compression for eons and eternities of time, and the next universe opens up, that energy dot's going to have the available information for the angels that are in creation to be able to create special dignitary uh, uh, bodies that can be taken by the angels that will be impervious to the subduction zone. Impervious. And that all being a result of the Father, our Father which art in heaven, our Father which art at the Father's house on the planet Artura. Blessed be the name of God. I find that so exciting. Those two things, the thing of grace and the thing about this exalted body and the power that that's going to have and there are many, many other, uh, you know, things that we want to get into here on that subject, which are so important. For instance, in Matthew 18.10, the Bible speaks about there are guardian angels and that, that they are watching over the people and that they are always beholding the face of Jesus Christ. Always beholding the face of Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. First, let's go ahead and look at, at Matthews. And let's look at that, that Matthew 18. Because uh, that is, there's a whole lot more to that than what what seems uh, to, to, to be the case. And people have got to get this down. They've, they've got to get it down. Because if they don't get it down, they're going to be missing out on some incredible things that is potential for the people in this trans-assimilation. So in chapter 18 of Matthew and verse 10, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now, what exactly does that mean, always beholding the face? How do these angels always behold the face of the Father which art in heaven? These are obviously special angels, special guardian angels. And no doubt, you know, uh, you, you know, they have this thing about big brother, uh, where someone becomes a big brother to some younger person who just has all kinds of problems, and they just need someone to sort of look over them, over, you know, and help them out. 
call him Big Brother. Well, these dignitaries are big brothers. And, um, uh, you know, they, they are obviously active. Uh, for instance, Jesus says uh, to the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, you think you're going to get by with some of the things you're saying or doing. But I tell you that in the day of the resurrection that Moses will stand and he will condemn you for what you're doing. So we see that there's people like Moses, there's people like, like Job, and there's others that are mentioned. I can't just now mention every scripture because we wouldn't have time to get, get through this teaching. But there are people who are very active. They're like big brothers, and they're, they're guardians. Now, when there's no one else, the cherubims fell in. But they do not have the same relational thing because they are of a different host and a different Lord of hosts, but they do fell in and act that part. But what is the real beauty is when the dignitaries do it, because they're part of the same wheel. And, and that is something really be beautiful. They, they have, an, in a sense, uh, a kindred spirit, uh, you know, because they are part of that same wheel. And so um, they are always beholding the face. Now, let's look at, um, at Revelations, uh, not, pardon me, at uh, Matthew 17. Just go back one chapter. And let's look at, um, at verse 2. Oh, let's start with verse uh, 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a, a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Eli Elias, or Elijah, talking with him. Now, here we see the Moses character, the Elijah character, in this enfoldment of the dignitaries. And this is right back in an important time of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And interestingly, in this transfiguration, the face of Jesus Christ begins to be brightened. And in this brightening suddenly appears the Moses dignitary and the Elijah dignitary, called Elias, but Elijah dignitary. That's the, that's the change of spelling from the transliteration of the Hebrew to the Greek to English. And it is so beautiful and so awesome to begin to get into this revelation of the transfiguring. Because what it is saying their angels do always behold the face because there is a, a transfiguring that's involved in this. And it's this capability to take on certain attributes. Now we know, and we, we ministered to this in the past, how that God approved and God gave the instructions to Moses for the spirit on him to be 
put on the 70 elders so that that would give them them strength and so that it would it would spread out the obligation of the work to many different people and this ministry of the dignitaries is is dignitary angels is so important because they have come into this exalted body they have come into and have become experts in overcoming the principalities of darkness they become experts and these experts have the capability to wherever they are and just like not all of the 12 disciples were chosen to go up and to come into this ministry but Peter James and John they were chosen and so they were revealed so that so that you know like 3 out of 12 persons were chosen to have this special ministry it's pretty interesting this is pretty awesome this exalted body is a place in which by transassimilation by always looking at the face that you can come into a place in Christ that this exalted body is something that you eventually evolve or emerge is the word we like to use into and where you can one day say like Job did, though the flesh worms eat my flesh, yet in my, in my flesh I will see God. Job had to go through that final phase before he could get into that exalted place, but he did reach it. <coughs> and his, after that, you never hear anything. He goes on to be greater than he's ever been before, he goes on with a family. He goes on with, with all kinds of blessings of, of physical uh, uh, well-being and riches. You never, ever hear any problem again because he has overcome. And Jesus said in this, the body he was in, he says, I have overcome the world. And so this exalted body is something <clears throat> that the Father wanted to come out of this fall. This thing on grace was the something that the Father wanted to come out of this fall. So that the fall would not be in vain. But that out of the fall would, would come something that has never before happened in any of the universes. That all the other angels, the cherubims, the seraphims, and the, the seraphims, all of them wanted to look at and say, my, 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 what is this? Why, th I don't see this in any of the energy dots. I don't see that this has ever happened before. This transassimilation is, is incredible. This grace is incredible. Oh, do I feel the Holy Spirit right now? Do I feel the Holy Spirit right now? And God's wanting to reach down. He's wanting to say that every one of you, every one of you have a guardian angel because I remember the time when I was driving down, the, not driving, but I was, Another brother was driving, but as we were going down the road, and I looked out to the side and I saw this angel. 
And I looked down his feet, and, and he wasn't running. He was just gliding along and going as fast as, as our automobile. And I said, you know, I said, how can you do that? And he says, I'm at the church. Oh, I says, how can you be at the church? Because we, we were trying to get back to get to the church. We had gone into the next state to pick up a, a trailer, and, and we were trying to get to the church, and you know we were hustling to get there before too late. And he says, I'm at the church. I said, how can you be at the church? He said, we angels, and I know he's referring to himself and a group of others, are capable of being in more than one place at the same time. So these guardian angels, these angels that are dignitaries, they are capable by transfiguration to bring up. Now, now, Saul thought he really did something when he went to the witch and she brought up these gods, which was something that they weren't supposed to do. But one of them was, was Samuel. But the Bible's given us this evidence to show us that these things are real. But what people don't understand that in that in this other low, in this other capability by the spirit of God, but not by the spirit of a witch, Jesus went down and preached to the to the people who were sometimes disobedient in the days of 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 Noah of the flood. So that how could this be? Weren't they supposed to die because they didn't take the message of of Noah? Well, remember I said that that was the first time that the word grace was used in the Bible was with dealing with Noah. So that grace era was then enfolded in that. And now we see all of the years, <clears throat> the ages difference. And then Jesus, after the crucifixion, and that's why it's so beautiful. You know, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, that is a 30-fold. But then there's a the place beyond that. And there's a place, the Bible calls it perfect. Well, what does that mean, perfect? Well, that means coming into this place where you are not susceptible. Coming into this place where sin could never tempt you. Where your body does not go out and do things on its own, but you have control. And there's more to it. And so... That grace that was mentioned way, way back there before the flood carried over all the way. And Jesus went down to those people that died during that time of the flood and preached to them to give them a chance to be regenerated again. It's so beautiful. It is so gorgeous. No one of the angels desired to look into it. No wonder Jesus said, you know, that these, you need to really beware of this, you know. He says, you need to beware of this. Why did he say that? He said, take heed. 
Take heed. You need to know this. That there's angels in heaven watching over the little ones. Their angels do always behold the face of the Father. In the transfiguration, Jesus' face began to become bright as the sun. The Bible talks about a day when the sun would become sevenfold. Well, there's a revelation in that sevenfold fold understanding. And it is so beautiful. Now there's much more that we could say on this thing with dignitaries. But it is a knowledge about angels that many people are not aware of. Jude 1, 8 and verse 14. 2 Peter 2, 10. It's not minor. It's quite beautiful. Check it out. Blessed be the name of God. It's something for you today. Okay, we've got to move on. I quoted that scripture in Thessalonians, but it's Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. The Lord himself, not somebody else, shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to shout with the voice of an archangel. It's going to be emphatic. This revelation of the archangel is going to be emphatic. People are going to know about it. It's a shout. It's an emphatic. It's a dynamic. And with the trump of God and all the meanings that that has. But I don't have time to preach about that now. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, We've explained to you several times that this thing called heaven is described in the book of Genesis, first chapter. And it's the firmament. And the firmament is that part, that first part of atmosphere <coughs> that makes life possible on the earth. It's the air atmosphere. Now this is important when we begin to understand this revelation about our Torah, the Father's house, as described in, in, in the 14th chapter of John. And when we begin to understand uh, chapter 10 of, 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 of St. John, about other sheep I have that are not of this fold. And we begin to see this revelation by looking really hard at this First Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 17, and when we look at this verse here, it says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. A-I-R. If you're just a spirit, you're not going to need air. That's a gas. Air is something that a body needs, a physical body. You don't, you don't need to understand what the, wa the clouds mean because the clouds are what brings H2O, brings water. And it's, it's got oxygen in it too. 
So God is revealing an environment that we're going to be transferred to another environment <coughs> of oxygen. And when we're talking about when Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. It's talking about a place where God's people are going to go and they're going to live. And it's a physical place. It's not the heaven of heavens. It's a paradise. It's not the heaven of heavens, which is a spiritual abode and is a spirit realm. This is still a physical realm where people need air. And the meeting is going to be in the air. And that's where God, is, God through Jesus Christ, God the Father, is going to gather the people for their ascent on to the Father's house. Because the revelation is the clouds and the air, which is, this, which is all part of this heaven described in the book of Genesis. Wow. That is so important. In the first chapter of Genesis, book, uh, verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. <clears throat> and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the, the firmament uh, from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven in the evening and the morning. This with the second generation day. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, God's calling you still to the air. You're going to be perfecting this exalted body. You're going to be perfecting this incredible revelation that is tied in to grace that's never ever been like this before. There's something coming out of this fall <clears throat> that's never ever happened before in any other universe. It's masterful, it's, it's glorious beyond description. It's going to give a body. And there are other scriptures and maybe next week we will get into that. But it's going to give it a body, an incredible, incredible revelation. And it's tied into this whole revelation of the seven thunders. There, there's a voice print evidence, a forensic evidence. So when in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 it says, prove all things, there is affidavits that are written in the form of scriptural testimonies that have actual context and testimony of specific realities that are proven by the scripture and by the testimony of these people receiving it by the Spirit. And these things of the seven thunders and of the different thunders that's what I want to get into next week. The voices of the thunders and how that, that ties into the revelation of the Artursians. It is 
a beautiful, beautiful story. And you don't want to miss. <coughs> we still plan in the near future, <coughs> excuse me, in the near future we plan to take you on a trip through this universe and through all of the previous seven universes, through the outer alpha and the inner alpha to the very fringe, the very outside of the fringe of the first domain, the heaven of heavens. It will be a trip like no other. I want you people to pray for this ministry, to pray that God will open minds and open eyes and that this word will get out so that people can find this this word that's being ministered. <clears throat> and I want to thank people like, like Brian Parks, who's just, just all this just free contributory work that he does. It's a tremendous amount of work <clears throat> that he does on as as my main worker keeping the programming going on the website. He is the webmaster. And I want to thank again the McDonald's, Larry and Betty, how that they have been faithfully printing down these teachings like I'm doing today so that they'll be available in written form. And they've been through all kinds of trials with their, especially Betty with her health, but God has miraculously healed her and touched her body time and time again. I thank God for the, these people. And all of you people who have, who have sent uh, financial blessings. God bless all of you so much. God bless you. Now, Father, I reach out my voice to pray for those who need healed in their body. May this energy of your Holy Spirit, may this glorious presence of your Holy Spirit reach out through my words and begin to touch and to heal those that are sick, whatever their condition, whatever miracle is needed. Oh God, begin to deal with them now. Love them, heal them. Cause your guardian angels to be over them. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you. Until next week.